Hello and welcome to Sip Sip Hooray, the podcast for people who like wine, but not all the stuffiness that sometimes goes with it. If you're listening to our podcast today, chances are you love wine or you're at least curious about it. Well, the thing about wine is that the beverage has alcohol in it, and that means drinking responsibly is important. But for whatever reason, it's not something we talk a lot about in the wine world. But today, we're going there. Our guest is a dynamic force in the industry. Her focus is communications, marketing, and PR, but her side gig is hosting an online community called A Balanced Glass. Her name is Rebecca Hopkins. We're so happy to have her with us today, and we can't wait for you to get to know her as well. So let's help our listeners. Oh, I got ahead of myself. We are the two Marys who like to eat, drink, and be merry. I am Mary Babbitt. And I'm Mary Orlin. Thanks for remembering me, Babs. <laughs> anyway, so we are so thrilled um, for the, to get into this topic. Can you have a balanced and healthy life with wine? Rebecca Hopkins says, yes, it's possible. Uh, she created a balanced glass, which is a community comprised of winemakers, vineyard workers, managers, cellar workers, public relations, media, distribution, wine shops, bars, restaurants, tasting rooms. Um, we are all surrounded by wine. Wine is very accessible. But um, for those of us who, and, um, and quite frankly, it can be a little too much at times, but if there are those of us who want a healthy the lifestyle and still work in wine or still enjoy wine with our friends and our family. And if you're listening to this today, we hope to have some really great tips for you and um, just to raise awareness that it's possible to have a balanced life and have a balanced glass. So um, there's so much to dive into, how to balance it all. No one has one perfect answer, but Rebecca and her team at A Balanced Glass, or ABG, offer more than a few suggestions on being on the path to a balanced life in wine. So, Beck, welcome to Sip Sip Hooray. Thank you, Mary, to you both, Marys, and uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm uh, excited for discussing this subject, so thank you. Yeah, we, you could tell I was excited to have you here because I got a little bit, as I said, ahead of myself, but uh, <laughs> no wine involved either, <laughs> for the record. But uh, let us help our listeners get to know you, Rebecca. Can you tell us about your journey into wine and what got you started working in the wine industry? Sure. Um, so I actually grew up in Australia uh, in the wine region of McLaren Vale. I didn't grow up in the wine business. Um, I think the closest thing we got to wine in my family was my father helping to construct the bar at the McLaren Vale Football Club. Um, where we spent a lot of time, but I, uh, I, I came to wine as a, a failed geologist. I wanted to study to be a geologist, but um, wine was, was my second option for my university studies. So I started studying, I, I graduated in the Adelaide University with a uh, degree in wine business and immediately jumped into working in tasting room in McLaren Vale called Wirra Wirra. Um, amazing wine still to this day, one of my favorite places to visit. And, uh, and really worked through uh, small wineries in Australia in various production, sales, marketing, distribution roles until leaping over to the communication side in uh, 2000 when I joined Hardy Wine Company, which is now obviously became Constellation and, and is now Accolade Wines. So um, I took a bit of a sidestep from small family wineries into corporate Australian winemaking and then in 2007, actually moved to the US with Constellation Brands uh, in a communications capacity and spent five years uh, at Constellation with uh, brand communications and events and leading that team. And then in 2012, I left and joined um, Folio Fine Wine Partners, which is an importer, a national importer of family wineries um, founded by Michael Mondavi and his family. And actually only this week, I uh, just left that position after 10 years. So 
I think in total it's 30 years in the wine business and uh, I feel like I'm starting all over again um, with with my my new career, I guess I'd say. But um, yeah, it's been wild. It's a great ride. Very <laughs> exciting. We want to hear yes. about that and what's next. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's funny because I think what A Balanced Glass has really done is shown me a side of the industry that really, I mean, I certainly have learned to know exists um, over the last five years, but really we have a whole part of our industry that really digs into wellness and health and um, safety and culture and leadership which is a really, really, really exciting part of the industry. So I'm uh, I'm kind of sitting back for a few weeks and just taking it all in. And then I think we're gonna ramp up some of the um some of those areas of the of the business. So well, that's yeah. fantastic. Um so how did you come up with the idea to start a balanced glass? What motivated you? Yeah, it's interesting, Mary. I was actually at a women's conference for wine professionals in uh, 2017, and um, the conference was fantastic. It was a room full of incredibly motivated female wine professionals, primarily females. I think I saw like four or five men in the audience. But we were talking about a lot of really topical subjects, of course, equity, inclusion, um, you know, managing working families, being a woman in the wine business, but no one was really talking about alcohol and no one was talking about how to manage all of this career aspiration um, from a health point of view. Mm. And uh, I did what I think I often do when subjects trouble me is I I wrote about it. And I, I ended up writing an article that I pitched to a German wine trade magazine called Meininger Wine International. And the editor at the time, yeah, Felicity Carter, she she dared to publish it. Um, and it asked a lot of the questions that we're talking about, right? Why don't we talk about it? Why is it such a taboo subject? Why is there so much shame around not coping? Why do we judge people that maybe don't look the way we do? Mm-hmm. Um, and the article was incredibly well received from, from all the readership. And so it caused a lot of discussion that then had a follow-up article the following month that really started to express some of people's personal experiences um, from, you know, salespeople really feeling troubled that they were not coping with their lifestyle to, um, you know, family impacts of drinking in the workplace. And, and I just, I knew we had a problem. Um, it, it really struck me that there was a way we needed to address this. Well, for our listeners who are not in the industry, we should explain that when you work in the wine industry, there are all sorts of wonderful, opulent dinners that you are treated to that are just part of the job. You are tasting your product constantly and help and, and sharing it with other people so that they can taste the product. You are going to forums and shows and panels where tasting is every step of the way. And if you're selling the wine, you need to be believing in it and talking about it and drinking it. And it gets, it can be a lot. Yeah, you're right, Mary. And I think too, besides the drinking part, to your point is the eating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there we are dining. We, we joke that no one plays that tiny violin when you're dining at the latest Michelin restaurant. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Very old. Fair point. You know, you know well. Oh, I right? know well. I, I'm like, yeah. okay, enough, enough. I don't need any more. Yeah. No, no more courses. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, and you're making friends with the wait staff to secretly take it away when no yes. one's. Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, but it is a very, it's a very unique industry. You know, there are obviously industries with heavy levels of, say, client hospitality, but the in, but the wine business really has a frequency and a volume that is is really can't be compared to many other industries I'm aware of. And really that overconsumption or the, the combination of eating, drinking, maybe you're traveling as a salesperson, mm-hmm. maybe you're hosting that dinner and all of a sudden you have a hundred people to quote take care of. Maybe you're in a hospitality role where you're working late nights double shifts, um, your knock, you know, your end of night shift is a, is a drink, right. um, because it's 2am and you've just finished 
serving 400 people in your restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need that time to, to um, defrag, you know, to calm down and to become back to a mindful place. And it's, it's something that I felt like I always did alone. I learned mm-hmm. the hard way. I would, you know, like all of us, we, we figure it out. Um, and I think part of the impetus for the community aspect of a balanced glass really was to show other people that they weren't the only ones. Which is, which is such a great message in that industry, because for so many years, I've wondered, why don't we talk about overconsumption? Why don't we talk about the impact of all the food, the travel, the wear and tear on your physical body, on your mental health too, because, you know, it's nonstop and there's so many demands and, you know, at the end of a big tasting, if you're with a group, people say, let's go out and have some more drinks or let's go get a cocktail. I'm like, you want to be included, but you don't want to drink. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, we also don't want, we have to be very careful about the language we're choosing because we don't want to be alienating or, or judging people who choose to do things a different exactly. way. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and kind of in 18, when the conference organizer invited um, me back after causing a bit of a ruckus with the article, uh-huh. um, you know, they said, well, tell us what we should be doing. And, and the first, um, the first session was called Breathwork for Better Business. And it wasn't about drinking and it wasn't about eating. It was about how do you maintain mindfulness when you work in a fast moving industry like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, and, and to do that session, I, I tapped a good friend of mine, Kathy Hoyha. And Kathy is a meditation teacher. She's a yoga teacher. We call her the yin to my yang. Like she's the mm-hmm. Virgo, I'm the Aquarius. And we, we just decided that every single day we'd give people just a little tip, just a little idea, a little reminder, something small that could help them be mindful. Um, for, for anyone who attended, you know, the session that we did at the conference. And that's how the community started. It really started because we decided to kind of take our industry experience, to take our own love of meditation and yoga and mindfulness and put it out there. Um, because it was still not a subject talked about a great deal. You know, mindfulness was still a bit like you got to go on that retreat and sit on the mountain mm-hmm. you know, unless you were really already had a practice, you know, or you were already practicing. And a lot of people who were practicing mindfulness were doing it on their own as well. Um, so it gave kind of us an opportunity to coalesce the, the professional kind of interest with a, your, your personal approach to your health and well-being. And then overlay that into a community that would say, Hey, like, so glad you're here. Um, let's, let's talk about it. Let's do some stuff. Well, so. And by being mindful, you, uh, it's probably a more natural path to balance and moderation because you're literally thinking about what you're doing and thinking about how you feel and how things make you feel and kind of your purpose for the day, right? That the idea of being mindful is staying in the moment and staying present and not just, you know, like I can be willy nilly, like, sure, I'll have another glass, you know, (laughs) it's not always a mindful thing. (laughs) Right. It's being being intentional. Intentional. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And also, you know, that intention changes sometimes. Sometimes you just want to kick back. Yeah. Sometimes friends have come over and you're like, let's just share a bottle and let's just not even talk about what it's, you know, where it comes from or what year it is. And then other times you really want to sit and be mindful and taste mindfully and really understand like what's going on behind this glass. You know, what's in it? What what do I want to learn about it? Um, But it, it takes... Uh, definitely takes discipline to to successfully have a career in the wine business um and to me that that is this mindful approach this this way of understanding why am i in the industry and and what are my values around health and well-being you know what what's important to me exactly what about but, the big wineries what are what is their response to something like this? Do you find yeah, that you're well received by people in the industry, not just the, the, the salespeople and the, um, the people on the hospitality end, but the power people who are running the companies and, um, you know, need to sell their wine? Yeah. 
Um, Mary, I will say the conversation has changed dramatically in the last two years. Um, and really what was a, oh, that's nice to know. Yes, we agree. We have policies in our HR handbooks on page seven, paragraph <laughs> five, right? Yeah. Right? That's kind of, we got the mandatory right. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I think what we're seeing now, which is a, a really the culmination of uh, COVID obviously has impacted our industry um, at a very deep level in terms of un- unsettling so much of the foundations that we've had from, you know, financial security to, um, you know, just channels of sales shuttering and maybe not reopening. But now the conversation around moderation is really becoming a culture conversation of a, how do I keep my employees safe? How do I make sure their well-being is taken care of? Um, how do I have high-performing individuals? Because at the end of the day, for large corporate wine companies, it's bottom line. The, the, the shareholders still you know, have an enormous influence on the success of the company um, and how it's perceived. But it's really, it's a far more open discussion. It, it was definitely a HR liability management discussion, um, you know, five years ago. And now it's like, okay, how do we build opportunities for people to feel safe, to feel connected, to have well-being, um, whether that's financial security, flexibility in the workplace for working families, um, whether that's diversity, equity and inclusion and making sure that voices are heard. Um, And then we have a younger workforce coming into the industry that really have a different set of values um, and a different interest in how companies run, right? They want transparency. They're looking for corporate social responsibility. Exactly. And this all plays into that. Uh, and, and smart companies, really smart companies are getting on board with this discussion being more than just managing what your people are doing. You know, this is about um, really taking a leadership role. Well, that's the them. stuff that's exciting. Yeah, helping people to manage their overall lifestyle, which really impacts your effectiveness at work. I mean, yeah. you know, if if I'm a manager, I would like for my employees or workers to wake up and not have a heavy-duty hangover because right. of an event we did the night before. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And I think that you know, that conversation and, and you, we talked earlier about, we held this survey. I mean, the thing about the a balanced glass community, it's more than 2000 people around the world. 75% of them are wow. based in the U S but we have, we have community members from Italy, UK, um, Australia, uh, France, Germany, um, China. And, you know, it's a really, diverse group of readers who definitely have opinions. And so we try really hard to have mindful surveys that allow people to have input into kind of what's going on for them because health's really personal. It's a super personal subject. Mm -hmm. Um, And particularly in the U S when, you know, our healthcare system is what it is and we have um, a lot of people who don't have insurance. And so they're trying to navigate, how do I get help? Who do I turn to? And a lot of that work is community groups who are creating that support for them. Um, and then this is one of, you know, this is one of many, many examples of, of groups that are trying to kind of build community by supporting community, by sharing knowledge and sharing um, resources and tools. And we never set out to kind of do one perfect way. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's more about like, let us show you the path, you choose your adventure um, you know, and, and let's help support you on whatever it is you want to be doing. I do like that. You're not trying to preach one particular message. You're just putting information out and having, starting the conversations. And, you know, as you said, it gets very personal with people. And so you're not trying to tell anyone how to do their job or live their lives. And I think that that serves you well. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was about what I think perceive as a trend of lower alcohol wines and how does that tie into what you're talking about? It seems like people are more interested in finding a way to enjoy their beverage without the big heavy toll on their body. Yeah, 
Um, d- definitely, we've seen an, an acceleration of that in the last uh, probably two to three years. And I mean, the non-alcohol segment is not new. Um, you know, beers, non-alcohol beers like St. Pauli Girl have been around for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always been put on the bottom shelf up the back in the weird part that no one really goes to. Right. Um, and so we haven't really allowed a conversation to happen about what is the alternative or, or what else is out there. Um, I actually find the low alk and no alk segment really exciting because as a, as a wine professional, I'm obsessed by flavor and aroma and texture um, and the processes of that, right? Distillation or um, reverse osmosis, all these different ways that you can create flavor. And I think, again, we have a consumer that's looking for ways to manage their health. We've been through two incredibly difficult years where health has been about safety and people have become a lot more aware of what's going in their body or of the, um, you know, the, what they're consuming, whether that's media, whether that's food, whether that's, you know, wine. And we are really having a consumer tell us as an industry, Hey, I'm looking for something different. What do you have? Um, a lot of the innovation in this sector is, is happening in the spirit side of things. Um, and I think I, I've done probably a year or so of research on this and really the extraction of the flavor is um, a little easier in the spirits world or non-alcoholic spirits than it is in wine mm-hmm. um, because of alcohol, alcohol carries flavor, alcohol gives volume, Absolutely. alcohol gives weight. So um and, and the wine, I mean, low alcohol is a relative term. You know, Mary, you remember, <laughs> we, we wouldn't have been drinking 17% alcohol Zinfandels 15 years ago, right? No, not at all. So, but, you know, I also see the pendulum swinging slowly towards more balanced wines too, not s- such big alcoholic bombs, bombs right? yeah. which is nice. Right. Um, and, you know, there are some companies that have made the entry into the lower ABV mm-hmm. alcohol by volume category with wine. And, um, you know, even barefoot is getting into the act. So, you know, when somebody as big as barefoot is doing yeah. it, it's, it's, you know, beyond just a, a, a cool trendy thing. So, um, I, I absolutely agree that the demand is there. And also I think the industry is at a crossroads where millennials, are not consuming as much and Mm -hmm. they're also drawn to all these low to zero proof beverages Mm -hmm. and then we have baby boomers who are aging out of drinking Mm -hmm. so um it i i see that what you were saying back um the exciting work is being done really on the spirit side with all these very creative um low and zero mm-hmm. proof spirits that do a fairly good job of mimicking mm-hmm. bourbon, whiskey, um, and gin and tequila. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So with wine, I think, you know, it may be a little trickier because a lot of the flavors and especially the aromas are a byproduct of fermentation. Right. Yeah. And, and also, you know, we have to remember that as an industry, we wanted people to drink less, but better. Yes. Right? That's been our drink less, but better. Well, they're doing that. Um, <laughs> yes, that's true. Absolutely. And, and um, the, the innovation in wine, you know, I think we also have to remember that, that wine lovers see wine as a pretty natural product anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's seen as something that is natural. It comes from grapes. It is, you know, it has a pretty simple production process. Um, and if you go to a winery, you can see it happening. And so I think the, the interest of consumers on wine, they, there is wine market research council data that says people think wine is generally healthier quote than, than other forms of alcohol. Um, but again, you know, nothing's healthy if you're drinking three bottles of it, of course. Um, and so I think that we have a consumer that's younger. We also are now competing with, you know, share of stomach, right? There's cannabis drinks out there. There's functional teas out there. There's, mm-hmm. um, you know, apple cider vinegar based non-alcohols that 
that kind of do a pretty good job. But Mary, to your point, they don't replicate the aroma. And so people are making decisions based on why am I drinking what I'm drinking and what do I want out of that experience? So again, it comes back to mindfulness. No, I was just going to say, so what do you think the industry needs to do to hang on to and increase market share to keep people interested in wine? What's the path? Yeah, if I knew that, I'd probably be on a (laughs) boat in the Maldives. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I think what we see um, is is a greater acceptance of this category. Um, It's no longer a fringe category that used to be on the bottom shelf. Um, The innovation, being really aware of the innovation happening, whether it's in packaging type, packaging size, flavor profile, and getting a lot more adventurous. I think the natural wine movement's done a great service to the industry in pushing some of those traditional boundaries. Um, you know, wine in can. So looking at these alternative ways to enjoy um, wine and and do it in a way that can be fun. You know, it can be engaging. It doesn't need to be stuffy. It doesn't need to be behind you know, a white tablecloth in a, in a fine dining restaurant. I mean, this is your podcast, right? You're all mm-hmm. about wine without the stuffiness. And I think that this category is, is pushing some buttons that the industry really need to get on board with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and to your, to your point about barefoot, I mean, you know, when Gallo's in a category that there's an opportunity because right. they've never made a decision that has not had an enormous amount of market research behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, We've been talking about a balanced glass and the industry facing aspect of it, but you also have members in your community who aren't in the Mm -hmm. wine industry per se. So let's talk about um, reaching out to them and for, and um, like, for example, and this, this is true in both the wine industry and for consumers, these big public tastings, anytime there's a wine competition mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. and um, all the winners are presented at these huge public tastings. Mm-hmm. And I know, I'm sure all of us have observed that usually people are not spitting, mm-hmm. and but they're usually with groups. And um, are there ways to... to manage that ahead of time, setting your expectations. Yeah. Um, and also other tools that you make available to the, to anyone that people who are just wine lovers, beverage enthusiasts can also learn from and get support from. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll grab the, the first part of that question, which is around um, how do you cope when you're going into these large events where, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches. There is so much wine there and you really don't know where to start um, because the reality is when you start tasting and or drinking, your ability of discernment um, goes away at some point, right? So you need to really set your expectation around your own plan when you're attending an event. So, okay, why am I here? What's my exit plan? How much am I planning to drink? And maybe what's my stop button? Um, I think knowing your own limits or your own desires before you go in is really important. Um, And having, uh, I always have a golden rule, one-to-one, water-to-wine. If you're going to a tasting, take a water bottle with you um, or they will most often have water available on site, drink water. It's a silly, simple thing to say, but it is really a way to help metabolize on the physiological level to help your body metabolize the, you know, the the wine that you're drinking. Um, If you're traveling, if you're going to the tasting with someone else, tell them, you know, say to them, hey, I just want to make sure that I'm going to have a great time. But if you see me getting a little, you know, a little excitable or maybe we've reached our limit, just can you just have a quiet word? I think having a trusted person with you when you're doing these events is important. Um, and then it's, it is actually okay to spit. Spitting wine is something that as a professional, you learn how to do, but most people don't. You learn how to spit toothpaste, you know, as a kid. Right. <laughs> Spitting kind of has this really strange social um, yeah. embarrassment. It's For hard. Sure. To, it's gross. You know, it's, 
gross. It's yeah. gross. And or people it, think, oh, you don't like the wine. That's why right. you're spitting it out. It must be bad. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that is, I mean, that's something, unfortunately, that really just comes from learned behavior, you know, spit water in the shower, learn how to spit a wine. If you're at a wine tasting, I think any winemaker or wine professional that sees you spitting will actually a understand why you're spitting. Um, but also, you know, support you in that because it shows you're being disciplined in how you're tasting that you really want to enjoy as many wines as you can. And you're not just slugging it back. And you really um, want to know what you're tasting because after yeah. a bit, you know, you keep, you, yeah. you don't spit your um, ability to discern different flavors and everything. It all right. just starts to taste pretty darn good, you know? Right. <laughs> and then, you know, if someone overpours you and they're pouring you big tasting pours and you do mm. feel embarrassed to tip it out, but tip out the wine you don't need. Um, again, you don't have to drink it all. You don't have to sip it all. You don't have to taste it all. I think you make such a good point when you say, think about it ahead of time, go in with a plan. It's sort of like plan your drink, drink your plan. But um, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know what you want to do and and, and, which doesn't mean don't have fun. And I I think that's, again, another important part of your message. You're not trying to tell anyone how to live their life. So if you want to go to the wine thing and have a, make it a party, that's, that's great. Go, go do that. But if you're trying to find that balance and not overdo it, I yeah. love that tip. Think about it ahead before you go in and know what you yeah. want. And I'll, and I'll put, I'll give you some, some links to that. We have articles on the website that maybe could go in the show notes for you, but it's sure. also like, what do you do when you have a hangover? Mm. Like, how do you, how do you deal with the next day if you've had too much? I mean, that's a reality too, and that's okay. So let us, let us help you work that plan out too. Um, so the very pragmatic, simple things that can help you both going in with the plan to your point, Mary, plan your drink, drink your plan, but also if you kind of fall off the other side, then let's help get you back on, you know, let's help you get, get you back to center. And I think that is really a great example of being a mindful drinker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of kind of simple tips, I, you know, I have tips that I've kind of set myself along the way, um, of managing an excess of riches, um, you know, water to wine, one-to-one always. I never drink liquor after dinner. Uh, Once I've finished eating, I don't drink. Mm. Um, I always try to eat protein heavy meals instead of you know, big bowls of pasta, which is hard to do, particularly mm-hmm. if you're traveling and you have a set menu from a supplier or a winemaker who wants to show you their latest ravioli recipe. Right. Um, you know, that's a negotiation where you you either eat half or you hide half or, you know, you just have to figure it out, right? You hide half. I have, that's been one of my techniques. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, because then someone brings back the plate and asks you why you didn't finish it. Right. right. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, so that's kind of the immediate consumption, but then there's the bigger, the mindfulness piece, which a lot of it is hacking, hacking your own, um, your own, life your own day so for me i have a meditation app on the home screen of my phone Mm. that i have to look at every time i pick up my phone Mm. (laughs) almost kind of guilt reverses me into doing some meditation um yeah (laughs) that's one way to get it done (laughs) right you're also really big into yoga yeah i am i uh, i'm a i'm a great failed yogi um and uh (laughs) <laughs> I'm still at level one after 15 years, but you know, it's okay. Um, <laughs> every day is new and well, I, I love yoga. You. Yeah. You know, I just, I think it's a really beautiful, I mean, the physical postures are a really, really great way to check in with your physical health, with your physical body. Um, because that's what carries us around, right? We can think all we want, but our bodies are what keep us upright. And when that's healthy, um, we, we have a much better connection with our minds and with the world we're in. Um, so the asana part of the, the postures of yoga, uh, I love, and also the breath work, um, breathing has been a lifesaver, um, for stress management, um, for me. And we definitely talk a lot about it because stress is a reality of all of our lives and, um, it is not, 
the body's natural state to be stressed. So a lot of the ways we try to approach it is, again, you're not going to go and sit on a mountain. You're probably going to sit in the subway. Let us give you pragmatic ways you can manage your breath, your heart rate, um, lower your, um, you know, your blood pressure and get your mind and body back connected. Um, and, and they're, there's sections of the site that are really well read because I think people, again, we're all trying to navigate this. We all have our own way. And the, the fact that you can read about something and, and read a tip and maybe teach yourself or come back to it is a more gentle way than being lectured about, you know, the right way to be doing things. Um, but that was a perfect segue into the question I wanted to ask, which is about the content on the a Balanced Glass website. Mm -hmm. There's so much there, so many good tips. Um, so um, talk about um, the articles themselves. And then a second part of that question is um, you have community profiles, and I'd love to know more okay. about those. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, the community profiles are by far the most popular part of the site and they're very intentional in that we ask people to be as honest as possible um good bad and otherwise because that's really what connects people to people and they um the you really see people's true stories start to come out when when we start to dig into things like what are you challenged by in your health you know, what are you inspired by? What's, what's, a, what's a practical way that you handle your health? And we intentionally work hard to get a diverse group of um, profile people because, again, ages, um, ethnicity, uh, location in the world, job um, kind of positions so that we can listen to a grape grower whose experience is probably incredibly different to you know, someone in the wine media, or we had a Philippe Blanc from Domaine Blanc, uh, who's a Qigong teacher uh, in, and, and he was telling his story about, you know, being a wine grower with his cousin and using Qigong as a way to manage stress. Mm. Um, and it's just like, wow, you know, people's stories are so fascinating. And the fact that they choose to share it on, on the Balanced Glass platform is really meaningful because it it shows that the community are really willing to talk about these things and, you know, we trust them and they trust us and it's a really good place. We never accept unsolicited, you know, I will write for you for free stuff mm -hmm. um, from, you know, content marketing. We just don't believe in that. This is a place that I think is somewhere that we hope you come away being a little bit inspired or, you find something maybe you wouldn't have known. Um, we've had community members, you know, go public with their sobriety mm. on, you know, and, and ABG was the place that chose to do that. Um, so, so that's the profiles. And we also, you know, some people are really silly and we love that too. And then that the articles are really, they're a combination of what's topical, you know, what's coming up for us as a community. Um, what are things that are out there, whether it's low ABV, whether it's, um, you know, sexual harassment scandals, whether it's um, protecting our AAPI community or our black community and what are we doing? Um, they kind of run the gamut, but they really, they center on wellness and and keeping, you know, keeping people well. And uh, every month we have um, a guest writer from the industry that, that generally gives a personal perspective. It's a way for the community profiles to be a little beefier for people to get into subjects about, you know, whether it's life transition, um, whether it's about, you know, being furloughed during COVID as a hospitality professional, sure. just to help people kind of, again, realize they're not alone. And the great beauty is someone from the community always writes to that guest writer and says, thanks. And that's like, that to us is just awesome. That is huge. You're right. You know, awesome. Yeah. Well, and your your Instagram is chock full of fun <laughs> tips and um, little profiles and um, just great information and fun and easy to digest and uh, with an i with a focus on positivity and balance. Yeah. yeah. 
And positivity is key. You know, I think that right now the world's hard enough. You know, we don't need more people telling us that things aren't right. Like, I think we're all aware of that. This is a place where you can come and really find hope and happiness and, you know, learn a bit and have a voice. I think having a voice is in, in very important in our industry. Right. And, and um, it includes things like jet lag, six tips to take you from fog to fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true. And, um, you know, it's like, it's always, and then Kathy might do a special feature on a breathwork technique, or I might share, you know, four breathing techniques to help reduce your stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we sense check each other. And the beauty about working with Kathy is we, we know each other well enough. We have a very similar value system about what's important. And so we get our heads together and we go, okay, what's, what's burning right now that we need to talk about. Um, sometimes it's pleasure and play, I think three weeks ago she wrote about the importance of sex and physical activity. You know, it's like we're, we're all there for it. We're yeah. there for it. <laughs> no, no subject is taboo. No, no. I mean, you know, and a lot of the subjects honestly come from the community because they they say, hey, you know, you haven't talked about this or I really, we're, we're having a lot of discussion right now about menopause, mm-hmm. um, you know, and how let, let's talk about it. It's alcohol has an impact on your health. Uh, and women's health has, you know, links to certain types of cancer from alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about it. You know, we're, we're not shy. We just make sure we've got the right data. Um, right. Yeah. You know, because people trust us with what we write. So we want to make sure that we're, we're serving the reader. And, and it's, it is, it's really important to not be afraid to have the conversations and not be afraid to look at things with open eyes. And um, I think in the wine industry for too long, it's no one's talked about the negative impacts of alcohol. And you can, it's such a glamorous world that's created the, you know, this wine country's lifestyle is very glamorous. It's very seductive. It is aspirational. Mm-hmm. And there's another side to it as well, which is if you overdo it, it's really damaging to your personal life and everything else. Yeah. And we also, I mean, we also have to um, shine lights on all the aspects of the business and making sure that we have our, you know, our workers are protected and the agricultural side of the business mm-hmm. is really safe and safe place to be. And, right. you know, are we, becoming a lot more inclusive. I think the beautiful thing um, is that this subject's now part of the diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging discussion, which it wouldn't have been, you know, five years ago, it was a, it was a HR topic that was kind of on the agenda. Right. 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 But there was no real focus on it. Right. And it's going to take time. It's not going to change tomorrow. We, you know, we still do have a lot of those outward displays of, wealth and success and beauty and because we are lucky that vineyards are located in some of the most extraordinarily beautiful parts of the world um you know there's a there's a reality behind that that says let's look after the people Mm -hmm. who are in the business let's educate and make sure um, there's an awareness and if you are a wine lover and you want to learn more here's a place you can come that isn't judgmental it's it's open-minded and we're here for it so yeah, I think that's great. It encompasses so much. And I think a reason the three of us are in the wine industry is there, it, there's history, there's culture, mm-hmm. there's, there's, it's a science, but it's also an art. And it's always changing and there's just so many fascinating people who come together to make this industry, as Becky used this word, magical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how lucky are we, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you see is next for you, Beck? Having departed from Folio, oh. as you look ahead, where, where, what's around the, on the horizon, or do you not know yet? Well, I'm not going to stop talking about this subject, that's for sure. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm actually going home to Australia next week to see my family. I haven't seen them for two years. Oh, nice. Um, so that's important to me. And, um, and doing doing projects that are really in line with my values around, um, you know, wellness, well-being, mindfulness, health, inclusion. Um, I think I've, I've managed to create a career that's given me an opportunity to have a platform and it's something that I take 
responsibility in doing. Um, I do some mentoring work. I'd like to do more. And then just keep exploring this wonderful world we have. Um, I think, you know, the the more that we do what we love, just the work happens, right? The, the, it's, not, it's not really work then. It's just it's the calling. So, yeah, I'd like to do more meditation. I've committed to doing more yoga. I've been a terrible yogi lately. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what's next? I think more of, more of more of the discovery, more of the learning. I'm really into um, learning a lot about this low out, non out category. I've tasted some awesome products. I've tasted some terrible products. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, and it's interesting, you know, mm-hmm. it's a flavor thing. I'm like, let's, yeah. let's see what's next. Oh, I it hope is. they get really good at that. I really well, hope that that can be an emerging, really fantastic category of wine. You know, yeah. I think it'd be so great. It's- I think it's evolving for sure. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And the beauty is, as we've seen, like with all major technological advancements in the wine business, whether it's refrigeration or fermentation, we're a clever bunch. You know, we work these things out and I think there'll be new technology that will help develop the category um, that we shouldn't be afraid of. You know, let's let's keep wine lovers loving wine in whatever form as much as we do. You know? Absolutely. I, I love that. Yeah. Well, the website is a balanced glass and you can also find it on Instagram and Twitter. The Facebook forum is for people in the industry. Mm -hmm. And so that's a Facebook group that, um, that is exclusive to the industry, but there's plenty of great, easily accessible information on uh, Rebecca's website at balanceglass.com. I got that Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, absolutely. Abalanceglass.com. And if if we do have listeners who are interested in the Facebook group, just pop your little comment when we ask you kind of why you'd like to join. You know, just comment that you heard this this podcast interview or you're interested in learning more and you are more than welcome. You're Great. more than welcome. Yeah. Well, that's very generous. Thank you yep. for that invitation. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Well, we thank you so much for this conversation today, Beck. It's been so great getting to know you and to learn more about your mission. I just love the idea that you have, um, well, frankly, I thank you for your courage and being able to uh, open up the discussion of bringing balance Mm -hmm. and wellness into the wine world and being honest enough to say, wow, this is a lot. This is, as you said, an excess of riches sometimes in the wine world. And sometimes our approach to wine hasn't always been the healthiest. So good Mm -hmm. for you for bringing a healthier outlook to it. And I, you are clearly ringing a bell that people can hear because you're, you know, that you're being very well received and, um, and, and people want to share their stories with you and hear others too. So uh, good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. And to you both. I mean, I think that the opportunity to have these discussions is, I know if Kathy was on this call with us, she would be ringing the bell as well. I mean, it's something we believe in. We know we can't do it alone. It's the beauty of community is we're all, we're all in on it. And, uh, you know, there's a place for everyone. So, so let's keep, let's keep going. Um, right. And, and, Kudos to you and Kathy for creating a safe environment for people to share their concerns, their triumphs, because you you have a lot of su- people sharing their success stories too in mm-hmm. managing to create a balanced life around wine. Yep, exactly, and and more of it. You know, there's a, there's a great piece um, that Rachel Del Rocco wrote. She was a wine editor who's now sober, and she wrote about that journey. Um, so that we have a lot of courageous people who really want to put this story out there in the hopes it inspires other people. So that, that's kind of our, that's definitely our objective is to, to have these conversations become more normalized. So thank you for the opportunity to have this discussion because it's forums like this that help us to really um, amplify the message. So thank you to you both. Oh, wow. Thank you, Beck, and good on you. enjoy the trip home to australia thank you all right well thanks again for joining us today sip sip hooray and cheers to you back sip sip hooray hooray. well mary babbitt i am so inspired what beck hopkins shared with us and what she's doing with a balanced glass yeah, I think this is, it's about time. And I'm so glad, like I said, that she had the the idea, the courage and the gumption to to say out loud, hey, do we have a problem with alcohol? 
Can we, can we enjoy wine and not have it ruin lives? And does the industry need to take a closer look at how to create balance and wellness and, uh, and help their employees, you know? And I think the answer to all those questions is yes. And through a balanced glass, they're offering a path to achieve health and well-being whilst while not and it's they don't advocate giving up wine none of us are doing that but it's how to incorporate it as part of your healthy balanced life mm-hmm. yeah they she's really careful about saying we're not trying to tell people what to do it's mm-hmm. you know everyone makes their own personal choices with their lives and and how they want to live them so she's just putting information out there and trying to help make it easier for people to um to find that balance right Well, anyway, that is going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us. You can, of course, find us on social media. We are Sip Sip Hooray Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And we are Sip Sip Hooray, the number one on Twitter. And Beck mentioned a few times um, we'd have some things in our show notes relevant to today's podcast. So please check out the show page at sipsipparaypodcast.com and also if you've enjoyed this podcast please share it with your family and friends and please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast we'd appreciate it and as you enjoy your next glass of wine do it in moderation and you'll enjoy it even more so thank you again for listening and we'll see you again next time on Sip Sip Hooray Cheers Cheers <laughs>